You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode of Bushel's Red is brought to you by, as always, our Patreon subscribers couldn't do without you. Thank you so much. Love you so much. Okay, let's actually get to this episode. We said some things on the last episode that might not have been true. Let's do an episode recap before we get to the show, shall we? Last time on Blue Shirts Breakaway. And to anyone wondering why we didn't focus a little bit more on Truba, whose arbitration date is July 25th, it's because we have another podcast before then. We do. I guarantee you he doesn't sign before that podcast. Fans. Welcome to another week of the Worcester's Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my semi-totally hungover co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Here's here's what happened. Do tell, because right? both of us had miserable heat weekends. Let me uh, let me give you a slice into just exactly how I'm feeling right now. Tell me. Uh, getting my computer set up mm-hmm. in my little mobile desk so I can sit in my reclining chair. I had one goal while I was setting up the computer. D- not throwing Get up. Get my phone charger. Okay. I didn't get my phone charger. My bag is literally three feet away from me. And I've just accepted fate knowing my phone will die tonight. The and me- that'll be it. The mental picture of you just like extending your arm towards your bag, realizing it's just not long enough, hoping it becomes long enough, and then giving up is just a wonderful painting. No, no. Uh, definitely not even bothering extending the <laughs> I, I know it's I know it's too far away, and I've just given up all I've hope. given Greg Kaplan too much credit. Welcome to another week of uh, the number one New York Rangers podcast, focused on all things New York Rangers. Travis Dernard is killing it for the Tampa Bay Rays. Your thoughts, Greg? Uh, well, first, his name is Darno. Yep, you know who I am. Uh, second, <laughs> figures. Uh, third, really figures. Yeah, no. Murdering the ball. Just don't understand. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right, now let's talk about some real Ranger stuff. Last week, on, last week on this podcast, you and I, uh, I think we made a statement. I'm probably going to throw it in the intro where, or maybe not. I'm, I'm lazy. Don't, don't blame me. Uh, where we said, well, we won't have anything to talk about until July 25th or 26th when Jacob Truba actually signs. Egg on our yeah. face again, Greg. Right on our face. We are so good. I still got to give you a lot of credit because I was thinking about this randomly this week. You brought up Jacob Trouba's name to me like two years ago, and I was like, Greg is just making shit up. And now that it's here, and now that he's signed for seven years, $8 million a year, like, have you thought to yourself, like, that's the best call I've ever made in my life? Because it has to be. Uh, have, I, have I thought to myself that he, I at least am owed one of the $56 million he's getting paid? Yes, I've thought about that multiple very, times. Very brave of multiple you. Multiple times. Yes. Um, yeah. There's not a whole lot. It's crazy to say the Rangers signed a defenseman to a long-term deal, and there's not a whole lot of it to discuss because at the end of the day, there really isn't a whole lot of it to discuss, right? The deal is basically market value. If he made it to free agency or if the Rangers tried to do what the Sharks did with Carlson and do like a one plus eight, basically, Mm -hmm. um, his final figure comes in somewhere either higher than or at $8 million next year. Um, it it makes perfect sense. The Rangers didn't trade for Jacob Truba to not extend him. 
even though they didn't really give up a whole lot of anything to get him. The goal from day one was to extend Jacob Truba. Uh, all it does, it it further complicates the Rangers. It doesn't further complicate the Rangers cap situation. It just makes it more immediate. Pretty sure it makes that, the cap zero, which is interesting. I, yeah, and they got Buchnevich, D'Angelo, and Lemieux all to worry about. Was very, and Vinny Letary, but I'm not really worried about Vinny Letary. No, I think Vinny's days are probably numbered, if that's the case. We'll see. No, I, that's the thing, though. They they qualified him, so they have intention on signing him. It's just like, I'm not worried about whatever they – because Vinny will be in Hartford probably. Almost so it certainly. Doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't really matter to me what they do with he'll, Vinny. He'll be a depth piece. Uh it's so funny to look back like three months ago, even just doing this podcast every week with you, which is so funny by itself. And like, we're the team with all the cap space. We'll be able to help other teams out. That's all gone. Like that's totally done. We have zero. We're now we have to figure out what we're going to be doing. It certainly seems like, and it could happen this week. It could happen soon. That Chris Kreider is out the door. Uh, I have, none of us have heard anything, right? Like there's been absolutely outside of maybe some random Twitter accounts and rumor, rumor accounts that are probably fake. Uh, Dave Dave Maloney went on radio today saying he expects Kreider to be traded, and few people are as tuned in specifically to the Rangers like Dave Maloney. So I, I I'm sure Dave isn't saying for sure, but his educated guess is better than anyone else's educated guess in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just something we talked about last week as well. With the cap situation the Rangers are now in. You're not just going to find a team that wants to take $4 million off your hands in the form of Vlad Nemestikov, or you're not going to want a team's not going to want 50% of Brendan Smith at this point in the off season. So all these, all these things add up. And at a certain point in time, the Rangers have to look at the roster and say, Chris Kreider is our most valuable trade asset. We're not 100% sold on extending him long-term for what it would take to extend him long-term because regardless of how you feel about Chris Kreider, the man is not necessarily uh, resilient, I think is the word to use. It's a very fancy way of saying the dude has picked up injuries along the way. Yeah. Even he's been begged up a little bit here and there. It's not like Chris Kreider has been a perfect player. No, but even when you have years like, and this is not the shit on Chris Kreider, if the Rangers decided tomorrow that Chris Kreider is a part of their long-term future, Chris Kreider would thrive in the role the Rangers are setting up for him where he doesn't have to be the team's best player. He doesn't even have to be one of the team's three best players. He can be a super enhanced role player on a really good team, which is something the Rangers can sell to teams like say the avalanche. Um, at, at the same time, even when Chris Kreider doesn't miss games because of an injury, we saw it last year, the dude was playing through a groin injury and his productivity was sapped out of him. He's he picks up injuries that it I mean all hockey players pick up injuries. It just it feels like with Kreider there's a little bit more regularity. Um it would be it's gonna be you make let it me put it this way, okay. all right? Because I feel like I'm being I'm being too negative. It's gonna be a bummer to see Chris Kreider go, but with the way the Rangers are building this new team, this new core. Mm-hmm. I just think Chris Kreider is on the wrong side of 28. Absolutely. And this has sort of always been my big beating my own drum, right? Which has always been the timeline for the New York Rangers. Now, as of the last two weeks between Artemi Panarin and Jacob Truba, I think we both can agree the timeline has changed. The timeline is now the next seven years. The next, in the next seven years, win a cup. Is that fair? Like, that's a fair assessment. That's what we're going for. In the next seven years, we're trying to win the Stanley Cup. We're going for it at all costs. Is that, do you feel like that's an appropriate thing to say about the New York Rangers with these two signings? I think, I, I mean, every team's goal is every Stanley team. Cup or bust at the end of the day. I mean, unless you're I like would, Buffalo or if the Rangers, If the Rangers don't get to multiple Eastern Conference Finals with this specific core that they've built, which is now Panarin, Kako, Kravtsov, Truba, Fox. Um, Zibanejad. If that core doesn't get to multiple Eastern Conference Finals, an overwhelming failure is how the Rangers would view it. Um, and that's fine. You, I, you would, you want to root for teams that set lofty goals. 
you don't want to be a fan of the Buffalo Sabres where you're really happy if you're 500. Rangers. Well, even just, Rangers like, even just look at the Blues. Reason. Like you were a first round exit for so many years, and this was the year you finally got the cup. Like you just waited it out, and it worked. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the Rangers setting expectations for themselves, and those expectations can be met with or without Chris Kreider. Of course, it's easier to meet those expectations if you have Chris Kreider. But at the end of the day, you have to really ask yourself some hard questions. How comfortable are you in 33, 34, 35-year-old Chris Kreider being the type of player that will help you continue to reach Eastern Conference Finals? Do you want that guy in four or five years when you have to pay Kako, you have to pay Kravtsov, you have to pay all these rookies, some of whom won't pan out, but there will be at least two that do. Um, do you want 35-year-old Chris Kreider probably playing a third-line role at that point in his career at $7.5 million a year? Is that is that what you want? Like, if you really want to take the long, long-term thinking of it, it's obviously Chris Kreider the next three years is still going to be Chris Kreider, like exactly what we see from him on a daily basis. 50-plus points, 25-plus goals, send it to the bank as long as he's healthy. But the, this is the other interesting part of the Rangers cap crunch, right? Yes, they're right now out of money, but in two years, they're flush with it again. And it's it's going to be no Mark Stahl, no Brandon Smith, no Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, those, those three right there free up shit. I think that's around, it's north of $15 million. Yeah, it's a lot of cash. We'll be able, I, I'm not really worried financially in the future, if that no, makes sense. Me neither. I, like, me neither. Uh, between, this has been mentioned by literally everybody on the internet, this is not a surprise that the cap might go up after the new TV deal. Uh, I feel like even though it's the NHL, I, I believe that to be true. The NHL is still a live sport, right? It's still in demand. It's still one of the reasons people are going to go to TV and watch like any TV at all, especially with cord cutters these days. So the cap probably will go up. How much that I can't answer, but I, I'm not really too worried about the Panarin contract or the Truba contract. Both of them, like just to put this in perspective, you're getting a 25 year old defenseman in his prime. Who's right-handed. What do you think the price was? Like, I know my, my wholesome guess about the whole thing was going to be 7.2 was, was what Truba signed for. So he got yeah. 800000 more. Like, it's not my money. Yes, it hurts the, the cap, but, like, does it really? You have to be smart now. That's that's the whole thing, is you have to be smart with spending your money. And even then, like, is that really – Is that, that's not that much extra for error. Like, I, I don't see that as, like, a, a big loss for the Rangers. I thought the contract was fair. He didn't take a team-friendly deal. Good and bad at the same time. Good for Truba, man. He's 25. Get paid. He's set now, and we get him for his whole prime. The whole prime. So yeah, that's that's it. That you bring up a good point because it, it's not like the Rangers are giving Truba his. This isn't like a second extension. This, this isn't, isn't Kevin. This Shattenkirk. isn't the McDonough like extension. Like McDonough signed at twenty nine. Was McDonough one of the best defensemen of the year last year? Lee last year? Absolutely, he was. Ryan McDonough is a great player, but he's older and he's gonna he's gonna age not as well as Truba does. When Truba's done being a New York Ranger, he will be thirty three and he will still be damn good at hockey. And he, he might be the number one pairing defenseman. He already is the number one pairing defenseman for us. And he's going to anchor us through with Adam Fox for the next couple years. So I, I put my hands up. And if you're out there thinking, well, we overpaid him. Like, yeah, like a little bit. But he deserves it. This is what the market's going to be. If he got the free agency, he's getting way more than $8 million. I think he gets 8.5. And maybe I'm wrong saying that. But that's truly how I feel with Truba. How frustrated are you going to be opening night when Jacob Truba lines up next to Mark Stahl? Um... <laughs> Well, I'll be in a priest costume, or sorry, the Kapope costume, uh, outside of MSG, and I'll probably be, you know, a little... Oh, actually, that's a lie. I'll be arrested, so I'll be a little more upset for other reasons, if that makes sense. We we can agree the pairing we'd like to see is Shea Truba, right? Yeah, that's what even it has if, to be. Even, even, again, as we've said on this podcast, and this isn't, this isn't meant to be, like, a, a criticism of Brady Shea. It's just, I still don't think he's properly utilized in the top pairing role but the fact of the matter is Brady Shea is the best left-handed defenseman the New York Rangers currently have and this will be so a big year play. for Shea too because a lot of people says he, he hasn't 
have said he hasn't lived up to his contract just yet. We we rightfully counterpoint on this podcast that he's played with a not so great counter, uh, not so great players next to him. That really hasn't been the deal with Shea. So this will be a good test for what Shea actually is. If you put him next to Truba, you could find out a lot about it. Well, I, I I I still believe, and I will go to my grave believing this, which might come tonight, depending on how I'm feeling. Um, people are grading Brady Shea on a curve that's unfair to him because we're grading Brady Shea on the, this is your team's best defender and this is how he's playing. And if you put him in that scope, he's going, he's going to come up looking like a failing grade because Brady Shea should never be. And on a good team will never be the team's best defenseman. That's not his role. He's a perfectly good third or fourth defenseman. Like, that is his ideal role. And the Rangers are paying him as such. The salary they're paying him is to be that caliber of player. But the hard fact is, right now, he's the best left-handed defenseman the Rangers have on the roster. I personally would want to see him playing with Truva, even if it leaves Shea a little exposed. Uh, and But at the same time, I'm not completely against Shea Fox or Shea D'Angelo. Those could be really fun but. Shea Fox gets to be a little tingly. That's like a little fun, you know? Like, ooh. The the great thing is here, whoever Brady Shea plays with next year, it's not a huge step forward. Yeah, it's going to be much better for him. Uh, Speaking of former New York, or speaking of rather New York Ranger defensemen that are no longer on the team, I don't know what I'm doing. Speaking of Jacob Truba. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Jacob Truba. Uh, that's really where I was going for, I guess. Really bad hosting by me right now. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate Not it. Ideal. I'm, the one, I'm the one with the hangover, and you're the one struggling. I know. I appreciate you picking up the slack. It's really good uh, to have you here. You're welcome. Neil Pionk. Neil's getting paid. Two years, $3 million a year. Um, How angry would we be if the Rangers did that? Because I, my gut reaction was, if we have done that, I would have been... The, this podcast would have been entirely different. It would have been just angry... We have two more years of this. I don't understand. They call them a scoring, a high potential scoring defenseman. I really don't see what they see in Neil Pionk. And maybe that's because we got to watch a lot of Neil Pionk and they didn't. Um, first and foremost, Neil Pionk, go get paid, man. Do For what sure. You gotta do. Uh, se- second, I think that deal is um, very close to what Evolving Wild had as their predictive model for him this offseason. I remember us yelling at Evolving Wild on this year podcast about the twins that predicted contract. Yes, sir. Um, how angry would we be? I I think I'd put angry. it like eight out of 10. Yeah. Ang- angry, disappointed, uh, frustrated, just to name a couple words. Um, now, what does this say about how front offices evaluate defensemen and why it's not independent the New York Rangers are are not the only organization that does this. For whatever reason, organizations I think see, and this isn't my I I, I think this was Ryan Stimson on Twitter who said this. So I'm this was not Ryan, trying to Ryan Mead on Twitter. Got it. Okay. <laughs> not, not trying to pass this off as my own ideal, but it 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 seems obvious that the Jets simply look at the time on ice that Neil Pionk was given and the points that he put up last season, many of which came early in the season. And they're using those two things as their way of justifying what is and isn't a good hockey player. Just because someone gets a lot of ice time doesn't mean that someone deserves a lot of ice time. And just because someone had a lot of ice time doesn't mean they were good when they were getting that ice time. I feel like I was tricked by the Rangers front office. Like, they kept playing Neil Pionk on top pairing minutes. They kept putting him in situations on the power play and in overtime. And I was like, what is happening? I don't understand. Why are we doing this? And I was strict, and so were other NHL GMs, Gregory. And that's what's so smart about the New York Rangers. Somehow you can trick other GMs to think a player's good because we played him. Hey, we played him a lot. Hey, he went coast to coast. He's good. He's technically, technically a winger, but he plays defenseman. Like, look, bro, wow. I mean, we'll give you the first-round pick. You give us Jacob Trouba. So easy. Yes, it's... um. Truly a, a such a weird situation that the Rangers had somehow convinced not just me and you, but others. Well, they didn't really convince us that he was good, but they convinced him he was a valuable NHL player. And they got away with it. And he got $3 million a year at 23 years old. And you know what yeah. I would like to do, Greg? That. I would love to do that. 
Yeah, and it, 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 it understates something we talked about at nauseum during the season last year, where last season needed to be a year where the Rangers got answers. And one of the things I feel like they answered most clearly was that Neil Pionk should be nothing more than a depth defenseman on a good hockey team. And they somehow answered that question for themselves while not answering that question for another organization, traded him to that organization who then rewarded him for being a replacement level defenseman or below. I mean, last year was below replacement level. I believe, I think he had a negative war. Uh, He was, he was flat out, not good. Um, It's, it's crazy. Let me, let me put it this way. I'm very happy for Neil because I think everyone should go get that money. And I'm very go happy money, for Neil getting that money in Winnipeg. Yeah. I'm very uh, happy for Murat, who gets to cover him. I'm sure he's going to have a great time. Uh, I'm so excited to read his mentions and his Twitter timeline throughout this season uh, once Pionk starts Pionking. It's going to be quite the time. The New York Rangers also did something weird today. Uh, Gregory, is something we talk about a lot on this podcast is that they posted a job listing for their lead social media and content creator account. When is, is, is it time? Will the fun be had? Will we, we be buttoned no. up? Okay. Just no. wanted to get that out of the way. That's uh, really all I have to I say. Just, with, with you bringing that up, I, it, it, it reminds it, it reminds me of something that frustrates me to no end at all times. Who the fuck has seven years of social media experience? This is a good point. In, if you were, if you were big on Twitter in 2012, right? But not just big on Twitter. Working for a major corporation who considered Twitter as valuable then as they do now. There's like eight of those. It's like Wendy's. Are there even eight? And that's it. It's just like Wendy's. Like in 2012, <laughs> the most popular Twitter account that I'm familiar with is like Sports Pickle. Dude, I love Sports Pickle. Just throw it out there. I don't know what I don't know what happened to them, but who, they were. I just. Good. Who the who the fuck's got seven years experience? This this is this is that bullshit that frustrates me for not just our generation, but the generation of kids that are graduating college right now. Because every fucking job requires experience, and every fucking internship says this will count as experience, which is why we're not going to pay you. And then as soon as you're done with that internship, they quickly turn around and tell you, "Oh, by the way, an internship is not experience." So you're just you're fucked. And you haven't made money up until this point. It sucks. And I, I, I feel for the kids that are coming out of school these days that have to deal. And I did not mean to go on this rant. This is, uh, <laughs> I'm letting you roll, baby. Yeah, but it, it, it sucks. And I feel bad for you guys. And I know there are some of you that listen to this podcast that are going through that right now. And I, I'm sorry that our parents' generation are such fucking assholes that they fucked us like this. That's yeah. Really I mean, I, uh, I interned at West Point military Academy at the center for enhanced performance. That's a mouthful, huh? And I probably didn't do a great job there, but it was something I truly loved. I wanted to do mental skills training with psychology. And on like the last two weeks, I was like, Hey, listen, you know, I've been here for a couple months. I've been working like 35 hours a week for free. I, I, I love it here. I want to, I drive an hour and a half each way to get here, each, you know, every single day. You know, what can we, can we start talking about having like a job or something like that? You know, can we move on? Uh, no, Ryan, we're just going to hire another intern. Oh, okay. I'll fuck myself then. Sounds good. <laughs> I will, I will say, um, and I've said this again before I did my internship with MSG networks, Madison square garden. They, they could not have been, uh, better for me in terms of me figuring out what I want to do. I know for a fact that they love hiring their interns. They, 100% would have hired me if that was an option for me. It sadly wasn't just because I didn't live anywhere near New York City. What a crossroads um, moment that is, isn't it? For both well, of us. That, that's the crazy thing. And we're going to do a bonus podcast uh, tonight about like how we came to be. It's the oral history of Blue Shirts Breakaway. And you can go, add time, uh, you can go become a Patreon subscriber right now at patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway. You could join up. And if you're a part of the $5 tier, you can listen to our bonus podcast, which we'll be doing once a month which is totally nonsense. It's tonight will be the oral history of Blue Shirts Breakaway. The next month will be lo- Love with Ryan and Greg. Hey, I, I'm just telling you straight up, there is zero chance we have this podcast if I work for MSG. I'm aware of this. Yeah. yeah. It's 
it's just such an interesting crossroads to think about. Uh, but we'll get to that on the other show. But I'm sorry, anyone who's ever been an intern, or an intern out there and been unpaid, I'm with you, and I feel for you. And there's no way anyone's ever, ever had seven years' experience in social media and, and branding in that I way. Just, I just realized we ended our uh, paid internship sucks uh, segment with an ad asking people to give us $10 a month. Uh, five, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, no, fuck you. Give us $10 a month. Don't be a cheap <laughs> shit. Give me the 10 Fuck you. Oh, well, Greg, uh, unlike Greg, I appreciate all of you. And if you want to be, there's only one person right now in the $2 club. And you want to be better than the $1 club, you know what to do. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're done with that, that shitty ad. Let's do some five-star questions, and then we'll go over to our interview. We're, today, we're going to do something a little unique. We're going to bring on our friend uh, James Duffy and also our, our good friend Jeff Politsky. They're uh, our respective Islanders and Devils correspondents. And we're going to do a State of New York kind of uh, roundtable. You know, it's July 22nd. What do you want? Okay, here we go. Five star. Yeah, man. A uh, fun fact: in two weeks, uh, not the next episode, but the episode after, August fifth, I will be podcasting on my thirtieth birthday. Thank you for my sacrifice. All right, here we go. Five star question from uh, from Gio Franco nineteen. Hey guys, love the pod. I was wondering if you think there's any chance Leas Anderson does not make the team. I know he's only twenty, but it seems like quite a disappointment from where we drafted him at. Maybe he needs to change the scenery. Praise be. I'm actually happy this comes up. Because this, this reminds big, me big that I got, I got angry. Yeah, I got angry on Twitter this week. Because people are calling this year a make or break year. Not everybody, I will say. Um, friend of the show, Stat Boy Steve, went out there, put out a stat about how guys like Krejci, Couturier, Couture, Giroux, all these guys that D plus three didn't have the best of years. Uh, Shifley is a guy that always has that too. I'm going to repeat this as many times as it needs to be repeated. Leah Sanderson is 20 years old. He's entering his second full season in North America. This is the furthest thing from a make or break season for Leah Sanderson. The question asked is, should Leah Anderson break camp with the Rangers? Um, Yes, because the Rangers have set up their center depth this year where they're giving the keys to Heedle Howden and Anderson, and they're hoping one of those, two of those three, take it and run. So should Leas make the team out of camp? I would say yes. If he even has an average camp, he probably breaks the team. Is it a disappointment if Leas Anderson doesn't break camp with the New York Rangers? Fuck no. Because for the first time, if Leas goes down to Hartford, they're actually building a decent enough Hartford roster where if he's playing top line minutes next to newly signee Phil DiGiuseppe or Vinny Letary, who we've seen is the definition of a quad A player where they're too good for the AHL, but probably not good enough to have a regular role in the NHL. It is not a disappointment if Leah Sanderson goes to Hartford. In fact, it might be best for Leah Sanderson to go to Hartford, get 15 plus minutes a night playing with, the guys I previously mentioned. If the Rangers believe he's ready for the NHL, he'll be in the NHL, but he's 20. If he scores 20 points this season, that doesn't say anything about the type of player Leas Anderson will be in four years. That just means at 20 years old, Leas Anderson scored 20 points in the NHL. That's it. it it's, I just, I dude, it, 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 it fucking pisses me off. It's just like, just, Think there, of it in baseball there terms, was, bro. There, there was... Peter, Peter was 24. I know. He's 24. Here's, here's what I'll say to, to keep it in hockey a little bit. There was a article from a website that used to support this podcast. I won't say their name. Uh, that came out and ranked the top 50... No free ads. The top 50 prospects. And they had Cody Glass, I believe, number seven. Cody Glass has not played any NHL time, to my knowledge at all. He's number seven. Dude, Adam Fox is, hasn't played. He is the same age as Leas Anderson. It's not over. It's so far from over. You're just... I, I'm not saying you're just... Everyone is so spoiled by seeing these kids that come up and just kill it. Uh, we've been... How spoiled have we been by rookies the last couple years? So spoiled. Just amazing rookie after amazing rookie after amazing rookie. It's not always going to happen like that. So I'm, I'm curious to see what happens to Leas this year, but I don't think he's a bust in any means yet. He's not at all. Did he come no, out gangbusters? No, he didn't. But that's not a problem. We're not having... We're not having the bus conversation with Leas until his 
entry-level contract is up. That's when we can start wondering out loud if this worked out or not. When the Rangers have to pay Elias Anderson again, then we can have that conversation. Until then, he's a fucking prospect, and prospects can't be busts. No, they're not. Let's go to the next one. No. We have uh, this is from Derek Anzalone. I think I nailed that. Capope, uh, sure. can you please ask Greg to rank in order which he would prefer to own the Mets? Donald Trump starting January twentieth, two thousand twenty-five. James Dolan, random Saudi oil prince billionaire, or Stu Sternberg Wilpons. I get frustrated. I've found myself getting frustrated. We're both big Bill Simmons guys. And yeah. we're both, I'd say we're both pretty big ringer guys. I am. And admittedly. Yeah. And we, I mean, we've had Katie Bakes on this podcast. We both adore Katie Baker. That's true. Um, you more than me. But it's, 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 I get, I find myself getting frustrated by how much Bill is going in on James Dolan. It's, and the thing is, at the end of the day, it's not unjustified when talking about the Knicks, but it does frustrate me that when Bill goes in, he doesn't bring up how perfect of an owner for the New York Rangers, James Dolan. I know it bugs me too, especially now because like, I know it's, it's free karma to rank on, on Dolan, right? Like you just like, it, it's, it's super easy. It's you, super convenient. You could post a picture of James Dolan tomorrow with like an X on it and like get like 120 retweets. I might just do that yeah. just to, just to see. You know, and but with the Rangers, he really he's hands off. He hires the right people. Like we have JD running the whole thing now, uh, and JD running as president. There you go, nice. Um, but it's just to get with the Knicks, he's a shit show. With the Rangers, he's great. Shit show. He's great. If, he, he's literally a top ten owner with the Rangers. He might be top and, five. And and the, even James Dolan, the Knicks owner, the Mets ownership problem is they don't spend money. James Dolan spends money. Sometimes he does it in stupid ways. It's dumb as but hell. I, I wish I could complain about my ownership group spending money. That would be a great problem to have. Um, if Dolan wanted to give fucking Adam Jones a five-year, $100 million contract last offseason, I would have had a lot of jokes ready to go for it. But at the same time, I would have been happy that he spent $100 million on a guy. So... I I cannot believe in the fourth year we're doing this podcast. It's unbelievable. I we have gotten to the point where <laughs> we're defending we're James Dolan. Defending James Dolan. We're actually not just like the, big supporters. Yeah, I oh of the names listed, it's not a joke. Where I'd say I think James Dolan would be a great baseball owner. He does everything you would want him to do. I think Dolan Dolan thinks he knows basketball, which is fine. I, I think it's pretty clear he doesn't. But Dolan is also smart enough to know he knows fuck all about hockey. So he just keeps hiring people that tell him what to do with his hockey team. If that James Dolan took over the Mets and he had enough pride to swallow it and say, I don't know shit about baseball. Hi, and Bloom. Take care of this business for me. Just tell me where I need to write my checks. I'd fucking kill for that owner. That yeah. owner would be great. No, and I, there's, there's been no thing that, James Dolan has done to me as a strictly Ranger fan. That's offended me. The only thing that James Dolan does that makes me angry, truly, is the restricted access to the staff and the team. Like, full disclosure, we've talked to MSGPR. They know who we are. Like, it's not a secret. And they just don't let, if you're not covering the team on a daily basis, you're not going to be able to talk to the team. It's not really a secret here. I'm not saying anything crazy. But that's the only thing that bothers me. And I get why he does it. Sure. And I, I don't like some of the stuff he did with the fans. But that's all Nick stuff. It's all Nick stuff. With the Rangers, he lets it happen. And it's great. It's fucking great. All right, we got one yeah, more. The one, oh. the, one complaint we, I, I, the one complaint I see from Ranger fans is just ticket pricing. That's and not his fault, dude. It, 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 it's not entirely his fault. Obviously, the team could just lower ticket prices across the board. Yeah. At the same time... We buy those tickets anyway. That's why they make the prices as high as they do. It's the garden's always full. It's, it's always full too because it's New York City. It's one of the highest. It's the fucking garden. Yeah, it's it's the fucking garden. And you're if you're in the city and you're from anywhere you're, and you're like, well, what can we do tonight? Well, MSG's right here. Want to see a hockey game? That would be cool. You're gonna go. That's why it's always packed yeah. out. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's just weird that in the year 2019, you and I have become James Dolan stands. It's the weirdest. I I can't believe I'm this guy. 
I, 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 if you would have told me that, like, hey, man, this is what you'd be doing, like, you're going to defend James Dolan, like, vehemently, <laughs> I'd be like, no, that's the th- there's that's no the way. Like, it, we're not even doing it to try and, like, be chummy with the Rangers. No. Nobody hated Elaine Vigneault more than I did. We've questioned David Quinn at times. We've definitely questioned uh, numerous players on the physical I'm Rangers. Still we still confused why Lindy Ruff is around. Yeah. Like, we... We grill the Rangers. It makes our job easier when there's something to complain about on this podcast. God, it makes it so easy. James Mullins is not something I can complain about, which is fucking weird. It's weird. I don't know how to feel. Um, frequent commenter, FBI 2.0, uh, is asking us three different questions. Says, hey, guys, hope you guys are having both a great summer. It's hot, FBI 2.0. Both you and I were at weddings this weekend that were outside. And we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, Greg and I evaporated. Uh, yeah. Some- Luckily, I... I I love uh, it, the Pesci's dearly. I, if, I know they don't listen to this, but in case they do, I want to make sure they hear the first thing I say about their wedding is it was beautiful. I was honored to be there. Thank you for all the rum and cokes. I'm very hungover. Now, um, yeah. Hot. Fucking 105 was the heat index at the time of that wedding, which was a three o'clock wedding outside in Connecticut. We were The good news is the ceremony lasted less than 30 minutes. The bad news is it took six minutes for me to die. I uh, had a wedding and it was fully outside underneath a tent in Monroe, New York. And the house that they were getting married in had one AC unit for one room. That was it. The whole house. Over 50 people in it. Wanted to die. Um, hey, guys. Hope you all have a great summer. We are FBI 2.0. Thanks. One baseball, one hockey, and one general sports question. I apologize. I'm slightly behind on my topics of conversation. Hockey. Thoughts slash comments on upcoming NHL rule changes, particularly expanding coaches' challenge, the no-helmet rule, and allowing refs to review a match penalty call. Um, I, I like exp- – I, I, I do like having the coaches' challenge expanded. I don't hate it. I think it's yeah, fine. It's, just, it's a good strategy. Coaches, yeah, my problem with the coaches' challenge is less about – I like that they're expanding it. I just wish I trusted – the apparatus by which they review. You know what I mean? That's fair. My, my problem. Yeah. My problem is I want coaches to be able to, first of all, I just want the game to be called correctly. Like that's at the end of the day, what the coaches challenge is about. I just don't have faith in the apparatus by which we run the challenges. So that that's my only gripe. Everything else. I have zero complaints. The second one, no helmet rule. I'm cool with that. And Correct. yeah, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure common that's, sense. it's common sense, right? Protect the players and allowing yeah. refs to review match penalty calls. That makes sense. Like, I, like you saw the Sharks game, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, but again, again, that's, that's an apparatus thing for me. I do want refs to have that ability. I just don't trust referees to make the correct decision, regardless of them having the ability or not. The baseball question, thoughts, comments on MLB game in London. Uh, Sport, uh, the sports comment is thoughts and comments on MLB slash NHL pushing for games in London. Is London a potential market for a team, or is or is it a global marketing push for for an audience and economy that is untapped? I have a lot of feelings on this, and I feel like we could do a whole podcast on it, so I'll try and keep it short. I don't think London's viable, especially for the NHL, for a team. Not going to happen. I think baseball would love to have a team over there. I don't think it'll happen, and the NHL, the NFL would kill to have a team in London, but they got to convince the Jaguars to move there first. Now, I don't think if you had baseball over in London all the time, I think no one gives a shit. No one cares. I, I, would, I got the pleasure of going to one soccer game with Greg. Uh, that's what they care about. They care about, like, all that. There's no way they go to something else unless it was Yankees-Red Sox. If you had, like, London – I'm going to use an Overwatch team name just because I can't think of anything. If you had the London Spitfire playing baseball over there, no one cares. Nobody cares. By game six, the stadium's empty. I, I just – I don't see that the market happening there. Um, I think I think as one-off events, it helps grow the game and it helps get people more interested. I the, the logistics of having a team in London, I mean, it's the same reason why we don't have professional sports teams in Hawaii. It's just a nightmare to plan out all that travel for all the individual teams. Um, but it it's it's kind of like if Real Madrid and Barcelona played a game in Miami, that game would sell out in a heartbeat. But if La Liga wanted to put a soccer team in Miami, it would be no different than what the MLS does. So it's it's not like it it limited offerings. It's great, and there's obviously an appetite for. I think the NFL could put a team in London just because the travel is different. If the team had 
the opportunity to go out there, say like Wednesday, finish their practices that week in London, you actually can see how that timeline works. The travel just works out, but sports that play sometimes on a back-to-back basis, I don't, I don't see how you can put a team in London. It just imagine the Rangers in a back-to-back having to play at MSG on a Wednesday night, and then Thursday they have to play in London. Yeah, I, I can I can see the NFL doing it. I think the NFL will do the, it. The NFL the NFL makes perfect sense because you get the whole week to prepare. Yeah, I think the NFL will do it in our lifetimes. I think a team will move to London. That's I I think within the next five years even. I think we have a team in Canada and we have a team in London in the next ten years. That's my hot take. Yeah, I, I think the NFL is going to expand again. I think everyone's going to expand again because it's it's crazy. It's almost like the league wants to make billions of dollars, and the easiest way to make billions of dollars is by charging a billionaire billions of dollars to start a new franchise huh go All figure right. let's uh transition over to our interview with jeff politsky and james duffy here we go uh battle for new york transition we're back with both of our guests we're doing a round table battle for new york that's greg's idea uh, <laughs> um we have james duffy of gotham sports and jeff politsky of our friendship james say hello hello thank you so much for coming on i guess we'll start with you um your off season was particularly interesting in the fact that you guys were a pretty damn good team last year. You had the probably the best goalie in the league, and you missed out on Artemi Panarin. And now, what the hell is happening with the Islanders? Not a whole lot. Interesting is kind of the opposite of the word that I would use because it's been boring as hell. The Islanders have done exactly one thing. They've swapped Robin Leonard for Semyon Varlamov. So it's not really a great thing they've done either. Otherwise, they've re-signed the guys they needed to re-sign and Lee, Nelson, and Everly, but that's it. No new faces. Glamarillo's been talking about big game hunting since the deadline. He's struck out every time that's happened. You know, he's talked about he, how he needs to add a forward, and he's not added a forward yet. So there's still time, but I think we all know that pretty much by July 2nd, the offseason's dead around the league because Bobby Margarita and Pierre Lebrun take the rest of the month off. So we're, we're in the dead period, and the Islanders haven't done much at all. So he said it's the battle for New York. It looks like it's going to be between the Devils and the Rangers next year, honestly. Are, are you – content's not the right word. You are not expecting an offer sheet, right? Even though it makes all the sense in the world for a team specifically like the Islanders to offer sheet a Mitch Marner, you're not actually expecting one. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that, because the Islanders clearly have trouble attracting players in free agency. I mean, just look at what happened when they tried to land Artemi Panarin, when they tried to keep John Tavares. Whatever it is, they have trouble getting players in free agency, and that's just something you got to deal with. So then you have to get creative to find ways to bring guys here. Trades. Lamarillo's made one trade. It was Eamon McAdam for Matt Martin. That's his one trade as Isles GM. The next strategy is offer sheet. But I think that we're at a point where if Marner was going to be offer sheeted, it, it, it would have happened by now. I mean, maybe that's crazy to say because theoretically this could go on until September. But if that's the case, then what is Lamarilla waiting for? I mean, it's really the only way they have left to land a premium player. I don't think that the price is as extravagant as people think. You know, four first-round picks don't mean a bunch when they're all coming after 20th overall. But – Whatever it is, it seems like that's off the table right now. I would be shocked if that happened at this point. And then before before we jump to Jeff, the last thing I, I want to – you're you're sitting in the most interesting seat in my mind because the Islanders were the surprise of the NHL last year, one of the best years in recent history for the entire organization. But as you, a fan and someone who follows this team on a day-to-day basis, is frustrating the word – correctly to use considering what the Rangers and Devils have done this offseason while the Islanders have said we're basically just going to run it back yeah I mean so I like to think of it in a vacuum because you know the Rangers are always going to have more success more success in free agency I mean it's just a fact um so so I, I try not to concern myself too much with what they're doing it is frustrating that the Devils are improving in such dramatic ways I mean in the last three Devils have made trades essentially for pennies on the dollar for Taylor Hall and P.K. Subban. So when you tell me that the Islanders can't attract players, the Devils have landed a, a Hart winner and a Norris finalist in the last three years. So you, you can't tell me that there's aren't, there aren't opportunities to get these kinds of players. That's what frustrates me more than anything the Rangers do. Obviously, it's annoying when they land Panarin in a bidding war against the Islanders, but you know that is what it is. Um, 
it is frustrating knowing that a lot of things went right for the Islanders last year and they had a great season. It was fantastic, but a lot went right. And, and now they're in a position where they put themselves that if anything goes wrong, they risk falling to a playoff bubble team. And, it, you know, if, if a couple of things go wrong, they risk falling out of the playoff race entirely. I tend to be more pessimistic than the average fan, but, you know, they had the 22nd best offense in the league last year and they've made no changes. Everyone got a year older. That's it. Um, they lost Valtteri Filpula, and they're replacing that third-line center spot with Tanner Fritz. That's the only change, really. So, you know, let's say hypothetically, Barlamov takes a step back from what Leonard was last year. Even if he's not a 930, maybe he's a 920 and Grice is the same. That's a big enough drop in goaltending that you're looking at a team that maybe misses the playoff next year because their offense just isn't good enough. Well, I guess that brings us to the Devils, right? Uh, and Jeff... You've had a hell of an offseason where you got the number one overall pick. Not that he's better than Kako because he's not. Fridby. And then also, on top of that, you traded for P.K. Subban. And what else am I missing? You, there was one other thing you guys did. Wasn't there another big I move? mean, you, you could just – first of all, hi, guys. Nice to be here. Oh, hey, Jeff. Uh, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, you're kind of starting it off with just saying everything for me. Yeah, major additions this offseason. Obviously, Jack Hughes, the number one pick. Monster trade for P.K. Subban. Uh, pretty nice deal, in my opinion, for Wayne Simmons. Uh, if you ask me, on one year, I don't, I don't care how much we're paying him. Uh, I'll take the chance on it. And then, other than that, we didn't. We're pretty much the same team from last year. Uh, lost Marcus Johansson in a trade. Didn't re-sign him. Brian Boyle also gone in a trade. Ben Lovejoy also gone in a trade. You know, kind of running back the same thing with those three major additions. Um, really excited for what they're doing. Really excited to have Taylor Hall back and healthy this season. Um, and I just love everything they've done so far in the offseason. And the only thing that could be the cherry on top is a Marner offer sheet. But the more and more we sign guys, I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. And, Jeff, one thing you and I have talked about a lot, uh, you – and it, it's something Duffy mentioned as well. You would become frustrated that the Devils seem to have been accumulating all this uh, cap space – and weren't doing anything with it. And then, boom, P.K. Subban is available at full value. The whole point of that trade was for the Predators to move every dollar on the contract. That's exactly what the de- – that kind of move is exactly what you were waiting for the Devils to do for two-plus years, right? Yeah, and, and that's part of, like, what we're trying to define as, like, success with using their cap space. Obviously, you don't want to make terrible deals that clog it up, that don't allow you to make moves like the ones that the devil did do for PK. But that, does that mean you have to be $20 million below the cap for two seasons prior to that? And last year, not put out like a great product on the ice, to be honest. Um, I don't know why they need to do that, but it, it is nice to see them finally using it for good rather than it just sitting on the books as this dead space while we're watching other teams spend to the cap and be much more successful um, and just be more fun to watch. So um, it is nice to see pay off, but, you know, part of me wishes that they just spent more in the past and managed it better to put themselves in these positions. And from where you sit, your off season's going so well that you almost don't really, it's not that you don't care what the Rangers are doing. It's just nothing's going to rain on your parade, for lack of a better term. Oh, not at all. Especially when you, when you pick the most exciting and dynamic player in the draft. Not that, Kako's anything to sneeze at, obviously. I mean, listen, you say he's the most exciting, but really, his his name's not Kapo Kako. Like, does he have a church? I don't see him having a church. No, and he's the more complete player right now. He's definitely going to have a faster impact um, or at least show his ceiling quicker, I think, um, than Hughes will. I think he'll take a little more time to get up to speed and, you know, be the center that he needs to be. Um, But I think his skating is above and beyond. Uh, anything else I saw coming out of the draft. So I'm just really excited to see him out there in a jersey. Um, and can't help but be anything but excited. It's awesome to see uh, the rivalry get reignited with the Rangers. And you guys have fun with the $20 million you just spent on two guys and for the next seven years, and we'll see how it works out. By, by the way, we will uh, yeah. have a lot of fun with that $20 million we just spent. <laughs> Uh, that, yeah, that egg, brings me egg, egg, back to Duffy. Egg on my face that the Rangers spend on Jacob Truba and Artemi Panarin. You're right. You got me served, burned. No, I, I'm not, it's not like a got you moment. It's just like that's a lot of money, and that's going to only these two guys. And I would have made the same exact moves 
if I were in your position, but there's obviously risk with it. Nothing's, Greg, you know. Greg McKegg on forever. his face for sure. James Duffy, would you have spent $20 million on Jacob Truba and also uh, Artavia Panarin? Can I answer no comment? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to answer no comment. Okay, back to Jeff. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, you've watched this last two years uh, of the Rangers sort of uh, through us, kind of getting updates from us. We kind of put out a letter that said we were going to be rebuilding. Are you surprised how quick it's gone? Well, when I don't know what you're doing to blackmail these guys into only wanting to come to New York, but when the players themselves are limiting the market this much, I don't understand how you guys can't make moves like these. I don't know what the draw is. I don't know. There hasn't been any recent success since the cup run. Like, MSG is fine. Like, it's, I love Whoa. it there, but like as a player, how much different can it be? Like, I don't think that that's what Artemi Panarin is dreaming of when he was growing up in Russia is playing in New York. So like, I don't know what it is about the city that they can't get elsewhere, but it's, you know, all the power to you guys. Like have fun. <laughs> Duff, I, I just need to know. I, I really do. In your mind, what the fuck is the difference between Brooklyn and Manhattan? Uh, zip codes. I, uh, uh, more fedoras in Brooklyn than Manhattan is definitely uh, something I've noticed. I mean, apparently it's a big fucking deal, right? Like, when it comes down to it, I think Islander fans are always going to have something to bitch about when it comes to the arenas until Belmont is open. So it's always going to be a crutch. Like, oh, of course Panarin was never going to come here to play split games between the Coliseum and the Barclays Center, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So more than anything else, the difference is that Brooklyn has become a crutch for fans to complain about. When is I, Belmont going to be opening? I, I, I haven't been paying attention. What is, like, the ETA for Belmont, actually? Uh, I, I believe 2021, but, again, I'm a pessimist and a skeptic, so I won't believe a goddamn word till I have some shovels in the ground. That seems very, like, very close. It does, but it also doesn't. I mean, 2021 sounds like a fake year. What are you talking about? It's two years away to have a – it does sound fake. But to have a – 2021? I mean, that is so far away from now. <laughs> We're probably not even going to be here. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I just think with the Islanders, I, I've been to Barclays. It's just tough. I, I wish you guys would just move back to the Coliseum. Has there been any talk of having a lot more games there in the next two years, or is it just sort of they don't they don't like having you guys there? So they're still splitting games. Um so next season they're going to do, I think, 21 at the Coliseum, 20 at the Barclays. Oh, that's a lot. I would assume, yeah, it, which is the same setup they had this year. And I would assume that if they make the playoffs, they run a similar format that they did this year where they had the first round at the Coliseum and then the second round and any subsequent round should they happen would be uh, at the Barclays Center just because the Coliseum currently is, is not outfitted to support uh, you know, not just the fans but also the media presence that would accompany a second-round playoff uh, game. Got so, it. You know, Unless there are some serious renovations, it looks like we're kind of stuck in this really weird split until Belmont's open, which, I don't know, it's, it's, I'm sure, annoying for the players. It's, it's annoying for the fans. Uh, I'm sure the organization as a whole does not love it, but it is what it is at this point, right? Uh, while we're talking about the future in years that don't exist, the, the Islanders, more so the Devils than the Islanders, but we'll start with the Islanders. Duffs, do you have any fears, any... Any concerns about the long-term future of Matt Barzal, or are you just not even thinking about it right now? You know, I, look, I, I think Jeff made a good point that a lot of times players are now aggressively dictating the market to the point that it's just become so hyper-focused on a few spots, um, which means that if we get to a point that either coming off his ELC or uh, coming off his immediate contract after that, Barzal says he wants to go somewhere else, you know, the Islanders' hands might be tied, but I don't think that'll happen. I think he's a guy that really loves being here, loves competing. Um, just to give an example, just the chip that he clearly had on his shoulder playing games against the Leafs, especially going up against Tavares because, you know, he felt spurned. He felt like, you know, Tavares bailed on him and the team. So seeing the way that he responded to that gives me some hope that he's a guy that actually wants to be here for a long time. But, you know, then again, what do I know? Because the Islanders can't seem to hold on to stars or acquire new ones. And then, Jeff, obviously the the big elephant in the room for you is it's a Taylor Hall walk here. What, how, how nervous are you? 
I mean, nervous is not the word that I would use. I mean, it's definitely troublesome that there's no deal in place right now, but given the fact that he was injured for so much of last year, it's really going to be difficult for them to come to terms on, you know, how much money they're willing to pay for him when they don't know what they're getting back or really how healthy he is because he didn't play for the whole second half of the season. Um, but you see the other moves that they're making, you know, the prospects, the drafts have seen to be going well. It looks like they picked up some nice pieces even after getting Hughes at number one. We've got um, Jesper Bachquist coming over from Sweden, hopefully this this year, and, you know, some of the other guys coming up through the league. Ty Smith is another guy. So we have a little bit more depth coming over the next few years, and if Taylor Hall doesn't end up signing, you know, an 8 by 10 or 8 by 11 contract going into his, like, year 30 playing year, might not be the worst thing to ever happen to the Devils fans, given the position that Chiro has put us in. Um, but it would still hurt to see him walk. I mean, this is the team that had Parise and Kovalchuk leave in, in consecutive years, and, like, the team fell apart after that. Um, so it would obviously be nice if – he would want to be a devil and it seems like the team is doing everything to put themselves in the right position to make him resign and make it almost impossible for him to leave to keep adding pieces like this. So um, not super nervous about it. The way the talks have been going doesn't worry me. It's still got a little bit of time to go. And, you know, even if he's not signed before the start of the season, I wouldn't expect him to be traded by then. But, you know, if we're, you know, hitting December or January, then I would start to get nervous and think that they should move him. You think he's going to sign for that cheap? I, I would be surprised if he gets more than 11. You don't think he'll get 12? No. Okay. No. Just throw it out there. Feels like it might happen. It, it might, but, you know, for wingers, like, Panarin is the highest paid winger in the league right now, yep. right? It's just those guys typically don't get that much money, um, and obviously you guys were willing to pay for it. We were. That might be – where the market's at right now, but I think Hall's at a different age and a different point of his career, um, and he might not get as much. That makes sense. Uh, is there anything that you're looking forward to seeing when you play the Rangers next year? Like, uh, I guess we can go to James first. Like, obviously, Islanders Rangers is always electric. You guys always kick our ass. I think that's fair to say. Is there anything you're mm-hmm. looking forward to in particular in that for that night next year? Um, a couple things actually. One, uh, how scared Hank is to play the Islanders because you, you okay, fuck, that, fuck, fuck you. That's fine. That he, lo- he he loves to have uh, you know a maintenance day whenever the Islanders are in town. Interestingly enough, and then uh, you know when Hank finally does have to play in the five times they'll play, how many goals Barzell will score on him? Those are the two things that I'm looking for. Okay, uh, I think Ryan worded this question incorrectly, so let me let me try it again. Uh, okay. What what are things? that the Rangers have done that actually worry you? Uh, Is there anything the Rangers uh, have done uh, that worry uh, you? Uh, 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 interesting. So kind of a very different question, actually, when you put it that I, way. I, this is why there's one of us that's good at this and one of us named Ryan Mead. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, look, I, I still think the Rangers, they obviously, of, of any team, you could argue that they did the most to get better this offseason. They added a top five winger in the league, as you know, and I think Truba is a, a, a good number one defenseman. Um, Kako and Kravtsov coming over is incredible, but you look at their forward depth and it's still not fantastic. If they have to move Kreider, it gets even worse. Um, their defense is still shaky and, and kind of relying a lot on, on whether or not Adam Fox is what he's hyped up to be. So go off, I'm James. Not, I know. Look, I'm not terribly afraid of the Rangers. Uh, I, and look, I've been shitting on the Islanders since I got on this podcast, so it's not like I'm like just the super biased Isles fan. I just. You know, I think the Rangers still have a few pieces to go before they're competitive again, but they could be a bubble team this year, and there's nothing wrong with that because they'll end up in the lottery and end up picking first, second, or third again. So who gives a shit? <laughs> I would love if we picked I, first next year. I, I will say, in, in I, I, it's not like Ryan and I have to defend ourselves here, but I think Ryan and I have both been very open about how we feel this Rangers team might threaten for a playoff spot. And that's about as close as they get. Yeah, we're not yeah, we're not saying we're Stanley Cup contenders. I think we're two or three years away from that at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, anything can break right, right? If Fox turns out to be a stud and Shattenkirk gets back to some form and Kako and Kravtsov both have insane rookie years and Buchnevich stops being a mediocre player, like Whoa. if every box gets checked, then suddenly you're looking at a playoff team. But I, I, I think that they're... <laughs> 
relying on too many question marks to actually do more than be a bubble team. My favorite thing Duff's always does when he comes on the podcast is he says the obvious things first, and then he slides in that one to, just bur- scorching hot take, thinking that we'd, we'd let it go. Buchnevich, stop being a mediocre. I see you, James. We hang out. Anything I know where you anything, are. Anything, anything in the middle of a list, people don't notice and forget it happened. <laughs> uh, Jeff, anything worrying you going on at MSG? Or, again, you're just a pig and shit. I mean, I'm I'm so happy to see Hughes out on the ice that, like, he could be up against anybody. But knowing that it's the Rangers, knowing what Artemi Panarin has done to the Devils in the past, he's going to be like an absolute monster for you. There's no doubt that that's an incredible signing. He's going to completely change the dynamics of your offense. Having him next to Zibanejad is going to be unbelievable. Um, I always talk about it when, when we bring it up off, off air, um, just bullshitting about hockey, like, there was a game two years ago where Panarin had five primary assists in one game against the Devils, and they absolutely could not stop him. And that guy scares me, and he's going to be unbelievable for you. So you should enjoy him. Um, but I'm also happy to see the, the new guys coming out on the ice for the Devils this year as well. I think it's going to be dynamic. I think it's going to be so much fun to just watch them play and not be dog shit like they were last, she- last season. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Who is the team – uh, we'll go back to James. Who's the team that is not the obviously the teams we're covering here, the New York teams, uh, and the New Jersey team that scares you the most in, most in the Metro? Huh. Um, I, I think I would go with Carolina, which is probably a weird answer because they're not who you generally kind of would think of as like the elite of the Metro, but they clearly had a bit of a coming out party last year. I still think that they have one of, if not the best defense in the conference. Um, you know, I, I thought they've been a scorer away from being a really, really good team. And it's not like they added that score, but they did add Nito Niederreiter middle of last year. They, they got Ryan Dezingle on a great contract. Um, Svechnikov is going to be in his second year, so you expect some kind of progression. You know, they got Eric Haula as well. You know, they didn't get a, a huge name that would have really made them a threat, but they rounded out their top nine in a way that makes me think they'll be better than they were last year. And for the second half of last year, they were one of the best teams in the league, in my opinion. Jeff? Yeah, I, I would have to say the, the Hurricanes as well. Wow. Um, but I'm a little bit more down on them than James is. The reason that they scare me more is because they're one of the teams that I figure uh, the Devils and the Rangers and possibly the Islanders are going to be fighting for that last kind of wild card spot um, with. So they're a team that is kind of affecting my season way more than any of the others. I think, I think the Penguins are going to be up there. I think the Capitals are going to be up there. And then, you know, some mix of the Islers, you know, CBJ or Carolina. How sure are we that this isn't the year that the, the wheels fall off the Penguins? Like, this might be it. We could finally be here. I'm going to say pretty sure this time. Okay. All right, I just want to ask the question. Jeff, say well, yeah, I could be wrong because Matt Murray is an insecure P-boy who, uh, who can't play well under pressure other than those cups that he won. Hey, Forget that, please. Cups, yep. um, I think Alchenik was a good ad for them, even at the cost of Kessel. I mean, they're the Penguins, man. I, I think they, you just really jazzed up. The... They got really solid veterans. Crosby is going to be Crosby. Malkin's going to be Malkin. Like, they're going to be nothing but consistent throughout the regular season. So... Barring any injuries, I think they're they're pretty solid lock. For I just I, I have a gut show. feeling. Sometimes you get that gut feel like this is the year that things fall off for them. Just a gut feel. Maybe I'll stick to it. Maybe I won't. I mean, it, they still got Crosby and Malkin, so it's hard to ever envision the Penguins not being around the playoff picture. And now they have Crosby's heir apparent because they signed Brandon Tanev to a five-year deal. That makes perfect sense. Nice. That, makes, that works. Greg, anything else you want to ask our dear friends before we let them go? Um. No, I'm very hungover still. Awesome. Uh, why don't you guys plug your stuff? You can go first, James. Jesus, Greg. Hungover at 7.30 p.m. on a Monday? It's 30, baby. Yeah, I, I had – look, man, all right? It was a very hot outdoor wedding yesterday. I went through rum and cokes like it was nobody's business. I didn't stop drinking until probably 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm a bitch. I don't know what you want from me. I am I'm what I am. Gonna, I'm I'm not going to judge. I'm just going to say I'm sorry because I've been there before. And, and who amongst us has not at one one time or another? Let, you, we'll talk when you turn 30, Duffs. Things change oh, when you turn Jesus. 30. But either way, you can find me on Twitter at Two Turtle Duffs. You can find the blog at Gotham SN and GothamSN.com. Check out content for all your favorite and least favorite New York sports teams. 
uh, coming up all summer and then all season as well. And of course, we've been invited on so many Gotham pods. How could we not thank them? Uh, and Jeff, oh, could you please plug your stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm nowhere, and And you totally just broke up. Yep, I can't hear a word you're saying. That's awesome. All right, uh, Jeff. Is, Jeff, what Jeff did say was he's nowhere to be found. But thanks, Jeff, so much for coming on. Uh, and we'll see you guys sometime you. soon. Transition to the end here. Transition. Hey, we're back. All right, this is the ending of the show. You know what we do here? We thank the people who support us, Gregory. Mm. Our loyal supporters for Patreon this week, the backbone of Bush's Breakaway. That's Brian Doyle, Eric Stagg, Mike Smith, Eric Stagg, Mike Smith, Ben Waters, our guy, Sean Taggart, and, of course, the illustrious Tory from Manhattan. Those are the backbone, and I cannot thank them enough. Bushers Breakaway, if you want to go to Bushers you can go to BushPatreon.com. Awesome. Greg, next week, uh, I don't know if we have any plans for the show, but I know we've talked about in the past, and I'm, I'm kind of springing this on you, possibly doing some recaps of some old games. So maybe we can start uh, talking. That's what we want to do next week? Maybe we can start uh, talking. Like a trade. Maybe we can yeah. start talking about doing it. Because I, I really would like, at least for the month of August, to do at least four games. Uh, some of the older yeah. games. Some of the, some of the more, more iconic games. Because after listening to, as we talked about earlier, both Big Ringer guys, I did listen to the Glorious Bastards recapable, and I loved it. And it made me just want to do one for, the, for a Rangers game. So we got to find it. We can get the videos so we can watch the full games and uh, make sure we have appropriate notes for them. But I, I really do. I'm really looking forward to doing those. I think that would be really fun for everyone out there. And, and I want to just keep saying it. We're, there's no better place for Ranger content than Blue Shirts Breakaway. And thank you for agreeing with me, everyone out there. Uh, and just a word to the wise for our Patreon uh, the shirts are coming. Yes. We had a very long, frustrating battle with the provider. Yes. But they are they are officially shipped to you. Are they? They've been. Are they? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm asking you. I, I was. I haven't been on email today. I I have. I did not get an email from them today. So I will. Let me put them. it this way: We should have them sometime in the next week, which means you'll have them sometime in the next two weeks. Yep. And then I'll be shipping them directly out to you guys. So. Right. Anyway, oh my god, my head hurts. And I have a thunderstorm here. Anyway, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm Orion Mead, O H Ryan Mead. You can follow Greg. He's at the main account at Blue Shirts Break. No breakaway. Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoy or enjoy your summer. And till then, guys, love you. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.